Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to another full episode of Colton Classic Podcast, the podcast where we talk about a mainstream and a cult movie, each of which have a thematic link, and we discuss them both. With you, as always, is me, your host, comedian and film critic, Nate Wyckoff. Uh, this is an, an OG-style episode. We've got our original two contributors back, uh, and I'm happy about it. First up is Tad Mastriani. How you doing, Tad? Sweet Jesus, what have you done? Ah, and uh, with us, we have our good friend, Jeffrey Tucker. Hey, Jeff. Waiter, one Colton classic podcast, Hold the McMurderer. Oh, <laughs> cannot be done. Bam! That, that is... That is a uh, <laughs> reference to one of today's selections. We actually have a special shorts uh, extravaganza here today. We have four shorts that we'll talk about rather than doing two uh, films. So basically, my opening was a lie to you. Uh, so let's get right into it. I'm really excited about this. We're going to start first with uh, a, a, a film called Create Your Killer. It's about eight minutes. It's by Sarah Gierkski and apologies, Sarah, and to your cast, if I mispronounce names, it is almost certain to happen, um, especially because uh, my Swedish is horrendous. And this is a film from Sweden. And uh, yeah, so let me just go into kind of a discussion of what is in this film. Uh, we get, it's, it's only eight minutes, but I feel like they do pack a lot of potential in here and a lot of visual style, which is cool. It's called Create Your Killer. And it stars uh, two women and their male friend who's playing a video game on the floor in what looks like a, I don't know, a rental house or a, a large dorm, like off campus. I don't know what it is, but it's a house. Uh, playing game, it's dim. There's uh, video game posters everywhere. And uh, one of the girls finds behind the TV a box with a VHS tape that says create your killer on it and a remote. Uh, she puts the VHS in the VHS player and it turns out to be some sort of vintage-esque, retro-esque pixel game where you use the remote to build your killer, which appears in the house in real time and you can control uh, unless you drop the remote and the batteries fall out, in which case the killer starts to kill. Uh, there's a little bit more to it. Um, so first, I just want to say that this film had really nice production. The lighting is great. The um, the pixel effects, the music, the sort of synth, you know, uh, new wave synth soundtrack is very uh, put me in the mood of indie games now, which are my favorites these days. Uh, that was a lot of fun. The there's like this cute 
little ending where uh, the survivor sort of uses, and this is a spoiler as always, but survivor uses the killer to sort of do their their chores and and such. And we get that in the form of a nicely animated uh, sort of NES era video game uh, animated montage of the killer doing nice things like making popcorn and taking out the dead bodies to the dumpster and all sorts of things like that. This is, I actually received this film for review uh, from Sarah in two, way back in 2020. And I have to apologize up front for taking this long to get to it. Um, but Sarah is working on a feature length based off of this uh, mm. premise and this project. So uh, I think it's, we'll start there. I think that it's uh, got a lot of promise as a feature length because the idea is kitschy and it's fun. Um, and in the short, she played a lot with sort of the archetypal horror characters, like a Chucky-esque character, uh, a Jason Voorhees-esque character, Mike Myers, uh, things like that, which was a lot of fun. Tad, what was your expectation going in and what do you feel about this premise into a feature film transformation? I, it's an interesting stretch. Um, it was cute. I liked it. It was, um, for, uh, for Sarah's reference, she missed a golden opportunity to throw the original 8-bit Friday the 13th soundtrack into this because I'm pretty sure nobody would have harassed her about it. I was affecting that, that when you're walking around the campsite and waiting for Jason to jump out at you. It didn't happen, but that's okay. Um, it feels kind of like a live action version of the Jason of the Friday the Thirteenth game. It does. Um, I'm sure perfect. somebody has that rights and would <laughs> be irritated, and you would get some sort of DMA off of off of Vimeo or whatever. Uh, right. But but yeah, that does have that vibe, a sort of you can't win vibe, if nothing else. So yeah, I thought it was. I mean, it was short. I mean, it's a short film and it's about the length that, you know, we used to make our short films because, you know, we have short attention spans. So um, I would be very interested to see what the final product for something that's kind of expanded out of that. I thought, thought it was well self-contained and I could definitely tell that there was a Scandinavian cast before I even saw the credits because I heard the accent leaking out. Every other sentence I, I was like, oh, there's some, there's some Scandinavian leaking out here. But it was- <laughs> Because this was, film is in English. Um, and pretty excellent English is really nothing to, to claim, you know, clamor about there, I think. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it does have that vibe. And uh, that said, I felt like it could have been filmed in Orange County, California or anywhere uh, in the U.S. I didn't I didn't see anything visually that was a, a cue on that. But yeah, the accent's just a little bit there. Um, and uh, Jeff, what was your expectation going in? And what do you think about making this concept wise a feature? Well, the previous movie, the previous short I watched was horrible, so I, I had low expectations, uh, but it was delightful. Um, I mean, it, it it gets you in really quickly and then gets you out really quickly. You get a little entertainment value. Um, I do think the best part was like the little animated cute thing at the end. I agree. Um, was really good. Favorite. It was well animated. Um, it it re really was well done. Um, but yeah, going into a feature, I am interested to see what you pack in there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe you go, you know, a lot more deeper into like the characters, you know, like why is this chick so bent on revenge that she'll, you know, like call her friend, you know, leading the murderer to her so that she can, 
you know, get yeah, to let's the let's get into and... that weird plot because so and and this gets into one of my my few gripes about it uh, where where there are some is that um, the one of the characters is texting. Uh, her ex-boyfriend it seems and the other one the other friend is like give me that stop he cheated on you like what you know come on um and then somehow while they're running from the killer and they're both hiding in closets in the same room and the killer's looking around the friend with the cheating boyfriend seems to get like go through text messages of the other friend with her boyfriend like she was the one that was cheating with but how that would have happened i don't understand um and then but when she realizes it, then she calls her friend's phone, so it rings, so the killer knows where she is, and, and that kills. So that was a I get the I get the desire for that moment because it is a, a good moment. Um, but the actual my brain was still trying to understand what was happening after yeah. it had already happened. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that maybe is a cut situation, like a cut error or or some sort of there was just some sort of narrative disconnect um, at that moment that happened, and. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a short, you know, you're like trying to jam all this stuff. You don't like, you don't do character development. You don't really know the history of these characters or, you know, why they are, who, who and what they are. So, I mean, you know, it was, it was entertaining enough for me. And you just, you know, cause it's short, you get in, you right. get out. I, I, don't, I don't get so bothered by that, but I can understand, you know, where, where you're coming from. Cause it was confusing. It didn't really make, uh, it wasn't clear. It, there wasn't a perfect clarity in that scene. So because uh, one of the, this is a minor hangup that I don't think anybody else should concern themselves with, but as such a, you know, technology antiquarian, you know, if you will, uh, the, the idea of a VHS tape being able to in any way be controlled <laughs> from a remote control in the way that it was, it did throw me off because it feels like something that you'd have an old, like, uh, yeah, you, you needed like a, a definitely a, what i don't know the suspension there you need quite a lot it's it's like okay something something's yeah. happening here uh, i'm just gonna guess, accept it i think in another five years i mean granted vhs is making a strange comeback in the collecting world which many of our followers like myself are vhs collectors and uh and we've got a lot of specialty coming up on that and we'll talk even a little more about vhs this episode Ooh. um but it is uh it was it was a weird i don't know that kids in the future will really understand that you couldn't possibly do the, the things that's being done with a vhs not even getting to the point of materializing uh you know a, a full creature in your house but uh just the fact that you could not you're like interacting with this yeah this you would tape be pausing reel. it you'd be rewinding yeah. it you'd be like looking for the timestamp. it'd be a nightmare it's kind of um, like people who grew up with dvd like thinking like VHS works like kind of the same way because you have like menus and stuff in DVDs. Right. And I mean, um, Sarah has a VHS prop and a VHS player in this film. So I'm sure she understands she's, that. And it's just she's deciding. utilized it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but, uh, but it was, it did throw me off because I'm like, ooh, a big part of VHS is the incredible limitation. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think that it probably like for, for it's like, you know, from when we were a kid, it's like, oh, you don't find a VHS. You find like, you know like a record or like an a-track or something because it's like an artifact so it's like yeah i she had to do like a a an artifact essentially that yeah they found. it was sort of like the the jumanji uh, uh soft reboots where they've you know they yeah. it's essentially an atari like system that they find and no longer a board game that sort of thing yeah uh but yeah i, I thought this was interesting myself i really enjoyed the idea and i thought that the the visual effects like the um the tracking hold on the on the 
killer when he's transported into the house and they're like essentially in pause waiting for them to finish building the character or selecting a character uh those were really well done as i said the lighting was really well done um uh sarah is actually one of the characters in this she plays isabella who i believe is the survivor uh although i could could be wrong on that um and then we have jasmine martinez as amanda uh and then um Adam is played by Emmanuel Markskog and, and the killer is Mikhail Bjorkman. And there's a couple other people in, in other costumes in there, but I think it, it's really wide open territory is what Sarah can, can do with the feature length. And I'm really excited to see it because I like the idea of this, uh, you know, I love a haunted artifact essentially. So the idea of this this tape that does this thing that people can control kind of, um, and the fact that she's used it to play with such 80s horror movie archetypes uh, yeah. in a fun way. And the fact that I love that they reference that everyone is not quite right. They're like, oh, look, it's Jason. And like, kind of, you know, and then like, <laughs> oh, Chucky, mm, not really. You know, like they're, they're, they're the, um, the swap meet bootlegs, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of the horror kingdom. I thought that was really fun. Uh, I think that, and again, I think you could do this similar plot in a feature length, but I'd love to see her really expand it and, and change, have a different plot with the same device. Um, yeah because I think that that gives a lot, I think there's a lot more that can be done with this. And I think that this narrow scope of the short fits for a short. Um, we see a lot when we see a feature length expansion um, from a short, they'll really try and keep the same plot of the short to the detriment of the film at large. Um, I think Killbox is one where that was made off of a short that was kind of a, a halo, um, teaser trailer for a live action that was quite good and the the full film wasn't terrible um but it was in fact it was it was better because they didn't hold the plot of that initial you know um, they had the flavor of the short and kind of the object of the short but they didn't have the actual plot of the short because it just wouldn't work there would be too much padding involved so uh let's go into our traditional would you recommend and why tad would you recommend create your killer and why i would it kind of reminds me of the old vhs style board games that they had back in the 80s which were yep. mostly terrible and incredibly cheesy this didn't Love feel them. cheesy this felt almost like a uh kind of like an homage to those old newgrounds games that we played back in the yeah. early 2000s so uh, yeah, I thought it was very creative. It was a great, I don't know, if, this is not her first uh, foray into short films, I assume, because it's way too polished to be. I, I don't, to be honest, I don't know if it's her first, but I think it's her first uh, credited production. And it is very much a professional feeling production. Like I, I've watched, you know, we've watched release films that are, are, are definitely not uh, uh and no you're right she has actually produced quite a few i'm sorry anya behind the eyes mimes uh and she has a she's filming a attack of the b film a tv series i don't know what her role in that is wow. but uh, yeah so she's got a career going so yep. this was um I, I even though of the four that we watched this was the one that stuck with me the least this is far as far as i'm concerned uh, I'm watching a, a real good jumping off point for someone's career mm -hmm. this was this was just solid all around even if even if it didn't grip me, I would highly recommend it. It's it's a it's a short, great watch just to see like someone can really put something together with some real skill, and it probably didn't even take that long for them to do it. I'm sure the special effects took way longer than the filming took. Uh, 
but it's, I, would, but I would think so. I mean, it's it's fairly simple, but who knows what's on the cut? We never know. You know, we ourselves have filmed hours and hours and, and toned it down to, you know, three minutes. So who knows? <laughs> um, and uh, I'll give my recommendation to this as well. I, I recommend it, especially it's got this like cabin in the woods vibe where it's like it's a horror series. And there's a there's a, a little bit of violence that's well done, a throat slitting kind of thing. Um, although the scene that precedes it, this weird fantasy like love proclamation moment is is a little little disjointed probably could have been pulled out um maybe that's something that wanted to be expanded in the future i don't know but uh yeah it's got that violence and the humor it's funny um and it's exciting and it's got a good uh good premise so give it a watch uh if you get the opportunity i don't think it's available for purchase yet but i'm sure uh it will be or is is uh, screenings at theaters things like that and keep a watch for sarah's full length of this when it comes out Jeff, would you recommend Create Your Killer 2019? I would, yeah. I, it's short. It has wit. It has uh, some some pretty cool effects and production, and the animation at the end is delightful, um, which, you know, I'd be interested to see if she can do characters and narrative. Yeah, I'm interested to see uh, that going forward. All right. Well, and of course, Sarah, uh, you're welcome to come on and talk about your project. We'd love to hear it. And so would our listeners. So let's move on to the next one. This is going to be divisive. I, I'm just going to straight up say this is this reminded me this upcoming short reminded me of why I got into film journalism and film uh, critique, because it is and film studies, it is uh it's batshit bonkers. I cannot, I cannot talk this up enough in in ways that might confuse some people. Um, what we have here, and for those watching on video, remember our YouTube, Cult and Classic Podcast, uh, it is McMurderer. Um, and it is, I was, uh, this is a Janice.click uh, short film. Uh, visit Janice.click, Janice period click online to get a copy. There's only a few copies of the VHS left. This is amazing. The VHS, I just have to go off on this product. They, they did a knockout job. It has an old school rental uh, clamshell case. It has a bright yellow professionally made uh, McMurderer VHS, legit complete with warning this video cassette will melt if left in the car or sun. Um, it's from Dark Hollow Home Video. And, uh, and it's got amazing cover art. Uh, but I think Beyond Weird, I think, did the cover art. And... Uh, it's amazing. And not only can you get the VHS, you can also get it on DVD, but if you're quick about it, you can get, uh, I think Genesis.click still has some of the Happy Meal variants uh, where you get the VHS in the case in a an unhappy meal, Happy Meal container. It's so friggin' legit. I cannot get over how cool this is. Um, it's amazing. Now, let's get into the, the plot of this. So if- There's no a plot. Listeners, there is. Listeners, <laughs> if you could have missed it, um, if you have not seen a Janice.click short before, um, go to Janice.click and uh, many shorts are there. It is an experience. These are love letters to found VHS, to this sort of um, obscure videodrome style um, film making process with uh, it, and again I, I don't actually know how uh, Janice Duckley has 
produced this, but it appears to be, it has the great effect of things that are duplicated back and forth between VHS um, because you get tons of tracking issues, you get built-in grain. Uh, it also looks real as opposed to, uh, a, the example I usually pull when I talk to people is I talk about um, Tarantino's Death Proof. You know, it's a love letter to Grindhouse, but it's a Tarantino film. It's not really a Grindhouse film. If you actually were to watch a Grindhouse film, it's going to feel different. And Tarantino does some of the visual cues, like um, the title card that jitters and uh, an occasional uh, scratch lines through the film, things like that. But they're artificial. They're very slick looking and they don't detract from the fact that it's a highly polished, highly funded pr product. McMurderer does not do that. McMurderer says... If you want to experience what this is like, what true grit cinema is, we're going to give that to you by having insanely dilapidated footage. I mean, 480 uh, DPI is a dream at this point. Um, it is, and it's, and it, it feels like it's cut together, you know, with a good old fashioned VHS swap or, or linked v VCRs. Um, and there's just, these really, really cool moments. I know I haven't said anything about the plot here. The plot, and this movie's about 15-ish minutes, I, I believe, 17, somewhere in there. Uh, the plot is, is that there is uh, a, a man who is a clown who runs a chain of fast food restaurants that may or may not be McDonald's. Uh, they call him McClown. Uh, he is an alcoholic, though he denies it, and he's not well-liked. While filming an insane rant of himself, talking about how he's a motherfucking clown, uh, he's killed by being stabbed in the head by one of his employees. Now, uh, we jump forward to like five years in the future. His son exists and misses his father so much that he eats at the restaurant every day. We get a disturbing scene uh, where he leaves his friend on the couch to, uh, there's no delicate way to put this, masturbate over spilled fries in an alleyway and then wrap the whole parcel up and throw it in the trash. Well, that creates the new McClown, essentially a, a giant mutant yellow bodied creature that proceeds to kill its way to its son and then uh, be happy raising its son, I guess. Um, there are lots of weird things in this already weird thing. There's an anti-abortion video in the middle, which is perhaps the most insane. It really feels like, I mean, it feels like the kind of, anti-abortion video that that is actually gets made like it seems like people who are anti-abortion to the extent that they pick it and things would think this is how it really is right like somebody's dirty shower with tongs and you know the equivalent of a turkey baster um and uh and a can opener um it's just it's nutso and 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 he calls and mcclown's son calls this uh anti-abortion video a pornography film uh and then plays it and we see it's an anti-abortion movie it's it's utter madness um then this is we get to the end of course and where 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 new mcclown and son seem happy together and then we get credits where there's this awesome sort of like um I would just commentary, it sounds like well yeah so the, the credits themselves are, are credit such people as mike um, and then, and then we get this like tag on end where the producers are like led by Janice.click or referred to as the maker, uh, in, going into this cave in the woods to explain the McDonald's went after them. 
and then uh, and then they hear something and they have to flee, and that's the end of the video. Um, there's there's so much more to this. Uh, there is some of the characters speak in subtitles. There's no audio for them. They just have a subtitle on the screen and the character next to them will speak to them. Um, and many of the characters wear bizarre masks throughout the entire, just as their face. And it, it, what it reminded me of to my absolute joy was the disturbing 80s bizarreness of the indie game Hotline Miami. Hotline Miami was like this love letter to Cold War paranoia and um, retro pixel art and um, synth new wave soundtrack. McMurderer pegs that and then takes like the video nasty era uh, uh, and, and the bootleg genre and just crams it in there together, turns the blender on and then poured out whatever it had into a VHS case. It's nutso. Um, we'll just go to this. Jeff, I know you have thoughts on this. Uh, go. Yeah, I don't it. even know where to start, man. I mean, this is just, I mean, I, I'm enjoying the fact that you are like so amped up about it. Um, <laughs> I'm enjoying the fact that he actually explained the plot to me because uh, I didn't get that. I, I got most of it. I think there was some, some elements there that I may have missed. Um, but it just was like, I, I don't know. It was just, it's just too like, horrible and uh <laughs> like no, I, I mean i understand it, that you're coming from this from like an art kind of angle but it just was like it was just a mess uh on a mess on a mess on a mess for it was just was just mess and then jizz um, on the mess yeah and then yeah just like half the I'm scenes like squeeze. people were like looking away from the camera doing some sort of I think was the was the I think sure. I think that was the intent is that haha it's mayonnaise but still the, it, the oh yeah it's always gross I, I, but the thing is so yeah what 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 always impresses me though about gender click shorts is the amount of effort that really goes into making it so legitimately degraded um it's just not that easy right I mean when we all have cell phones in our pockets that outdo the high def or, you know, the pre high def footage that was done with a $3,500 um, Panasonic, you know, uh, uh, a decade ago. It's, it's nuts to think that someone's actually working with VHS or using some whatever methods there are that, that Jazz Click is using to degrade this to the level. I mean, even the, sub, the subtitles are burned in and degraded in the footage. Um, it's not, they're not placed on there fresh on the top. It's just, it's, I kind of find it magical. Um, I mean, <laughs> there are, there are issues, right? Like there are times when the sound is just a little off. I didn't catch all the lines. Um, but as, as was claimed, uh, as was claimed of the, the quote unquote porn film in this film, uh, it was found it unmarked in a Goodwill dumpster. This is what you imagine finding unmarked in a Goodwill dumpster. This is what, as a, as a dumpster diver, I wish I would find. And I always think in my dreams I would find, and I never do. Like, this is the kind of thing that in 10 years, if it's dropped off the face of the planet, I'll be hard-pressed not to make a bunch of unmarked, beat-up VHS duplicates and just donate them to Goodwills and Angel View resale places across the state because I want other people to know the feeling of getting this and putting it in a VCR and truly being horrified and 
amazed and enthralled by what's happening. Like it's, it's just no, there's no explanation that could make it, it it truly, it blew my mind in a way that so many films try to do and they can't possibly accomplish because they won't go all the way. Uh, Whereas Janet's act like really went all the way to make this a masterclass in how to damage your film. Um, Tad, what, what was your expectation going in and, and what do you feel having seen it? Okay, so I expected um, sort of a parody of, so if anyone has, I, have we talked about Evil Ronald on this podcast yet, Nathan? So, so, so we haven't talked, so I will, I will say this. So when I reached out to Janice.click and said, because um, they posted a picture of the cover for McMurder. I don't even think they posted a picture. I think it was just a logo at the time. I can't remember. Um, although the cover, but like I said, is really great. It's a play on the um, Ronald McDonald uh, old VHS. I can't remember the name of, but it's, it's great. Like Ronald's Playhouse or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's super fantastic. Um, I, I was thinking like, oh my gosh, Tatamai's character, evil Ronald McDonald. And so I reached out to Janice. I clicked when I saw it and said, hey, can we get a review copy? Uh, we actually have like personal interest in Ronald McDonald related material. Uh, and they said, absolutely. And they sent it on over. So who is evil Ronald? So evil Ronald is a complete fucking mistake that happened because i got a copy of smackdown shut your mouth back in around the time that this that um one of our the movies in this podcast was uh was created around 2002 2003 Mm -hmm. um we played around with the character creator for hours on end and it was one of the greatest character creators ever and still uh in in many video game circles the WWE games are known to have amazing character creators. We accidentally created an eight foot tall clown with a giant Afro and striped basically spandex with, and we picked the creepiest moves we possibly could to accommodate this character. And it became just basically like an internal meme for our, for, or an inside joke for our group for, for quite a while. And I recently picked up a, 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 digital totally not pirated copy of uh smackdown shut your mouth so that i could recreate these characters and uh and i actually sent a video of it to nathan and uh he got excited but basically it ended up being a character in our actual comic book series that we had back in the post high school days that's and right nathan you guys has- can find the character jetty punk and uh several of his stories in the rearded zines which you can pick up from our shop at coltonclassicpodcast.com support the pod they're cheap they're great so yeah. the best part about this is it's a convergence i can totally understand why this this is this is why this is og right here this is a convergence of that combined with the convergence of my absolute failed fucking senior project zombie dance which we have mentioned previously on this podcast which is just exactly this it's a borrowed vhs camcorder and uh, VHS duplication for editing and me deciding that it was a great idea. For instance, instead of getting actors, I need a cop. Why don't I actually go out and get a cop? Which turned out exactly what you would expect. Cops 
in real life, most of the time they don't have any acting skills. And therefore uh, every scene that I tried to film was a complete disaster. But at the same time, my script was a complete disaster because I was in high school. I had no fucking clue what I was doing. And it, was, it wasn't as dirty. That's the thing. This movie is filthy in every single way that I could have never conceived of in, a, in high school when I have zero dollars and basically borrowed equipment. This is worse and yet better at the same time it's so hard to explain but my movie has no coherency if we could actually pull it out to this day it doesn't exist it's literally gone because it was before the days where we could have transferred it digitally but if we had it today and i put them side by side i would absolutely side with mcmurderer because it was somehow better than my fucking film yeah, so I, I guess I totally understand what you're saying, Jeff. And I think Janice Click does as well. I think it's it's well acknowledged the bizarreness and the level of, in, of insanity that's, it's, you sort of have to be damaged to love this kind of thing. Um, and, but I do. And I mean, this film, it has, so it, when I explain it, it's going to sound vile. You know, we've already had masturbation over French fries, creating a creature. Um, there's also the, as I said, the anti-abortion video um, where we watch uh, someone who I'm fairly certain is um, uh, someone who identifies as a very masculine male, uh, pretending to be a woman, firing a plastic baby uh, from between his legs into a dirty shower um, and then squeezing bottles of some sort of fake blood or barbecue Good sauce job. out. And That'd then be- afterward, it seems like the doctor might give some sort of enema. I don't know if it's supposed to be feces or blood spraying out. I don't know. I didn't catch if there was any dialogue in that moment. Um, but it's just, I mean, it sounds vulgar. And it is, but not in the way you think. It's not grotesque in the way that like, oh my gosh, that sounds disgusting. It's that the entire presentation is so, it's unclear what the joke is and who's in on it or not in on it. And that's what makes it so brilliant. Like we recently did an episode where we talked about eight millimeter and 1979's hardcore, where they have these footage of, of like um, of snuff films. This is what I imagine if I were to find a real snuff film, the vibe, like it's, it's so it's, it's bonkers. It couldn't be this bonkers in the room when it was being made. It couldn't, it only comes with multiple levels of degradation, reproduction. It's so far removed from reality that it's, it's mind blowing. Um, Check this out. And guys, McMurderer, Okay, you can find this potentially online. I, it will be taken down at some point, um, but I do think Janicek like had it online. But I urge you instead, if this sounds at all interesting, go to Janice.click, the website, and purchase a copy on whatever format you want. You can also check out Janice.click's other short films because it's, I don't know how to describe it. I, I, there's nothing else like it in my library. It's this the is, kind of thing that I is- look for. And I, and I so rarely find, and I'm super happy to have this and shout out to Janice Stockley. I know how to describe this, Nathan. This is a work of art. And by a work of art, I mean, it's one of those things where you don't know if it's bad or good. It just is. Fair. And therefore it, it's if, art. In some ways it reminded me of the, uh, bi- the video installations that I'd go to at the galleries, you know, that were real popular in the early 2000s, right? You know, you'd have like a big, ceramic egg the size of a, of a 400 pound man and then above it you'd have a video monitor playing people frying eggs and flipping them you know in a pan like that's sort of in just bizarre and sandy where you just look at it and you're like i'm supposed to get something here i'm gonna keep looking until i do um 
it's like the snob film festival remember we we yes. admitted to the snob film festival and um the the one movie that was about the woman just in her apartment talking on the cell phone or just talking to herself i can't even remember clearly I, that but, is the only thing i remember from that but yes but at the at the end of it all i can think of is in that instance i go clearly all right there's 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 clearly a thought process here that someone just didn't have the resources to flesh out properly which i can kind of that's what i was kind of talking about with zombie dance we just didn't have the resource nor the skills to flesh that idea out this is one of those things where i feel like they not only fleshed out the idea they finished it and went there's no way we could have done this better <laughs> absolute magnificence it's perfect print it that's the if, feeling I get from this. If Janice.click release, if Janice.click releases a feature-length film and puts in the amount of heart and just and and clearly innate sensibility uh, that they have into it, I will champion it to the ends of the earth. I would. You try to make if you make me watch that, I will kill you. <laughs> I, will, I will watch it twice for for him. This is just like so. So let's go. <laughs> let's let's. Let's jump to the recommendations here. Jeff, would you recommend McMurderer? And if so, why? No. I mean, <laughs> no, of course not. It's horrible. You're not going to enjoy it. I don't know what the fuck Nathan's talking about. <laughs> I don't know what universe he's living in right now. <laughs> we, we, we clearly do not align on this one, <laughs> but I'm very much enjoying listening to him describe his point of view. I really, I really do love this film. There's, I will just say this, that the opening where um, the worker is trying to get into, I guess, the office or whatever to set up. And he's like, the boss is in there filming something. But this is before he breaks in and kills him for whatever reason. Um, McClown is green screened in front of a vintage McDonald's. And most of him is not visible at all times. Um, the vast majority of him is not visible. It's a, it's a poorly lit Zoom call is what it looks like. And, and um. But it's somehow, it worked for me. I mean, as he just shouts into the camera that, that he's a motherfucking clown, his <laughs> grandfather was an immigrant. Like, it just, it just, I mean, I was sold. I didn't under, I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, I really didn't. And, and I, by the end, I was like, this can't be over. And then there's the after credit scene. I'm like, yes, yes. This is the meta moment that it needed. And also the little touches, I will just throw this out there. Obviously, it's a recommend for me. I recommend this movie. People need to see this movie to understand what true underground cinema can mean. Because a lot of times I get people, especially back in the day, um, I mean, it's way back in the day, like when I worked at Hot Topic, you know, people would come in um, and they would get a copy of Donnie Darko when we had DVDs, which uh, nothing against it. Donnie Darko is a very interesting film. I enjoyed it very much. I like Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay, we'll get into that. But they would it was just their first taste of cinema that didn't hit theaters. It wasn't the true cult thing that they were thinking it was. Um, it's just the, the tip of the iceberg. They had not taken the blue pill. You know, this is when you get into it. Like there's, I mean, and when you own something like this that you actually enjoy or appreciate, even if you didn't enjoy it, this is like ephemera that 30 years from now, will be completely obliterated from existence and you will have this and somebody down the road after you die will find this and it will be that that cult heirloom that bizarre piece 
of, of antiquity that is carried on because it's so unusual and so unique and so outside of the realm of normalcy. Um, I just want to throw in there that there are moments like at the end when the producers are being led by the filmmaker to the cave that their responses are again, just subtitles, but there's also like the cry of an infant occasionally. Like there are these little sounds and sound effects that are put in throughout this. It's like, it's, it's the amount of energy spent on putting in disconcerting, unnerving sounds and visuals that William Freakin did in The Exorcist. Like it's that, it's just, you don't even, at a certain point, you can't even consciously process it all because there's so much, so many things you're trying to make out. Um, but that's my spiel on this. Tad, would you recommend McMurderer? And if so, why? 11 out of 10 would recommend every time. This is, this is, this is, <laughs> yeah, this is, those of you on, who are most of us who only listen to this, I just need you to know how hard Jeff is rubbing his eyes right now. Um, I, I might be interviewing for a new Colton Classic reviewer. Uh, I think Jeff <laughs> might block my number at this point. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, this, is, this is a fantastically interesting one and I'm glad we included it. And thank you so much, Janice Click. And check the notes of this episode. We'll have links to... Uh, uh, Janice Duckleck's Instagram and, and website and so forth. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to tackle our next two final two shorts for this episode. Hey, cult and classic crew, friends and fiends of the pod. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Nate, I don't have any money. And if I did, I'd be spending it on cool things like buttons and custom trading cards and zines that are unique and made each week by the cult and classic podcast family. And guess what? You can do both of those things at once. You can support cultandclassicpodcast.com and get awesome swag like buttons and custom trading cards that are printed on actual trading card stock by actual trading card printers and autographed by the artist. And also zines like classic issues of rearted with comics and illustrations and interviews, as well as brand new Colton Classic Podcast family publications that uh, are brand new. So you'll get them first in line. These are awesome, awesome things that you can get just by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash Colton Classic Podcast. For as little as a dollar a month, you can get videos of our episodes so you can see all our lovely shining faces, as well as exclusive content like uh, extra episodes, film reviews, book reviews, and things like commentary by us on our short films, which you'll also be able to see. If you want to pay a little more, $5 a month per se, US, then you get an awesome autographed custom trading card. These are official printed uh, at the same place that prints every other trading card you've ever bought, and they're autographed by the artist. These are exclusively for Colton Classic Podcast and inspired by our episodes. They can't get them anywhere else except through us only five dollars a month you get it shipped right to you shipping is free if you pay ten dollars a month if you are a true drinker of the kool-aid for coltonclassicpodcast.com then you will get uh, the trading card access to all of the content that is exclusive to patreon members and you will get a brand new zine every month whether it's a classic uh, copy of rearded zine uh, with interviews, comics, art, all sorts of cool stuff, or brand new Colton Classic Podcast family publications. Those will get sent straight to your door. Plus there's usually extras like pins, stickers, all sorts of cool stuff. So you're doing two great things. 
You are spending money on awesome swag and you are supporting Colton Classic Podcast. I know it's tough right now in the pandemic. If you can do it, join us at Colton Classic Podcast Patreon. If you can't, why don't you recommend it to a friend? We all have those rich friends and uh, they can spread it around a little more. I'm just going to say it. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, as always, Colton Classic Podcast loves you. And we are back. Uh, I want to thank all of our listeners, as well as all of our cast members here on Colton Classic Podcast for sticking with us through all of these fascinating, fascinating creations that mankind has tossed into the visual media well. Uh, up next is, this is the most technically impressive film uh, of our selection of four this week. And uh, it's one that I am baffled as to how I did not hear about it when it came out originally in 2016. This is Fanorama, the Futurama fan film. It is a live action uh, episode of Futurama, kind of. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, it is part human uh, actor, part, uh, it appears, 3D augmented actor, part practical effects. So things like, uh, if you're familiar at all with the show Futurama, you know what I'm talking about here, but just for people that aren't, the plot is, is there's kind of a Joe Schmo likable nobody who gets frozen cryogenically accidentally and woken up like uh, uh, in the year 3000 or something along those lines. Uh, and he ends up becoming a delivery boy with uh, an alcoholic robot named Bender and Leela, uh, a beautiful kick-ass uh, Cyclops, uh, his great 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 grandnephew, who is of course an old man, uh, Professor Farnsworth, and a, a crab creature um, named Doctor Zoidberg, who is like a, a take on like old Jewish comedians of yesteryear, and um, Hermes, their their bureaucrat manager, uh, who is uh, like a, a limbo champion, Jamaican, Jamaican, yes, and then uh, anybody else? Oh, and then there's a couple of side characters like uh, the the um, Captain Kirk spoof, who the sexually active, uh, mentally immoral and idiot, um, Zap Brannigan. Anywho's, there's there's a lot of characters in here and there's a lot of nods and a lot of uh, jokes that fans of the series will get in this. I wanna say right off the bat, techni technically super impressive. Bender is picture perfect. I mean, his mouth movements, his eye movements, the way he looks, his finger movements, um, and brilliant. And similarly, Dr. Zoidberg, I think, is better than brilliant. He's actually, like, they did just enough, like, new detail to make him, like, a realistic creature effect, um, but still have the overall appearance of the uh, simplified cartoon character. And then we have... Um, uh, oh, Amy, Amy Tan as well, the the Asian uh, assistant. Um, she's a good cast in this. She's, I felt very close. Everyone is a pretty good cast in this. I will, I will say that Leela's character is highly problematic for me. And we'll get into that um, because I am a fan of the show. But I thought this was really interesting. The thing that people have to know about this is it's 30 minutes long. 
little longer than a typical episode, but not really. It hits about the 17 minute mark and then it gets Zap Brannigan coming in and giving a monologue as to how the episode will not end uh, as planned because uh, it is unauthorized, there's no budget and there's no talent or something along those lines. Um, and then it's 15 minutes of Hypnotoad, which for fans of the show is literally a TV show where a species of toad that has hypnotic eyes hypnotizes viewers for however long it goes on. It was clever. Um, I will also say the Hypnotoad is literally my favorite part because it's perfect. It is a toad with hypnotic eyes and it moves just slightly and the camera pans in and out incredibly slowly. So if you click forward, you'll see that it is moving. Fascinating, well done. 15 minutes is a long time, but I did sit through it. So <clears throat> there is a plot. It isn't resolved. Um, they're taking like a doomsday device uh, along with a crate of giraffes um, to some planet for some reason and pirates uh, attack them and it ends. There's, that's where it ends. Zoidberg is supposed to go save them. I'm not sure what the intent was for this. Um, let's go to Jeff. Jeff, what were you expecting going in and uh, how do you feel now that you've seen it? I mean, I'm starting to get impressed by these fan films. I mean, like, yeah. the production value is insane. Like, like there's ton. I mean, it wasn't just like you mentioned like five different costumes and like effects that they did that were really good. But they had like this commercial where there was like ten yeah. people in fantastic costumes on like a fantastic set. Uh, it was like it's like what am I watching? This is like better than some TV shows I've seen. Right. <laughs> it was just like what. These people are insanely talented, at least in the, you know, costume making and set design. And so I'm wondering if some of them actually work in that part of the industry. And um, this is just kind of something that they bring home. I didn't really look up anybody's credit. So I don't know, maybe Nate has some. Yeah, well, that's, so that's interesting to touch on. So everyone in here is working to some extent. Dan Lanigan is the director um, and uh, the writer, along with Andy Klimzak and... Um, and Cody Frederick and Dan Lanigan along with, I don't know if Katie is his wife or, but some other relation um, they're producers traditionally, and they produce a lot of stuff. Uh, hence probably where they had the, the ability to get the funds for this. Um, but it's clearly a love letter to Futurama. And it is clear that everyone involved is trained and works in this area. Um, the special effects are truly top notch. It's the kind of thing where, um, I mean, no other, it's a short film, like you said, that really blows you away because the Orville does not have the design work on average that this does. And that's not knocking the Orville. I love Seth MacFarlane. I'm just saying that this was truly a spectacle. Um, I do think myself that the spectacle overwhelms any possibility of story. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a little bit of a missed opportunity because I would actually much have preferred this to be a 15 minute story than a 15 minute setup with no conclusion. And it does seem like a missed opportunity because it's hard to sell it as a possibility when there's no real payoff. There are some jokes and some of them are pretty funny. Most of them hinge on being references to the show's previous existence already. Um, if you got in, you know, and Max Dunn Graham, if you got in the other, if you got in writers from the actual Futurama series, I'd be fascinated to see what was happening. Here's the other question that everybody's going to be asking right now. How are the voices? Well, I'd say most of the voices are pretty good, but there are some that are not. So uh, 
there's a reason some are really good. Um, uh, so Victor Yerid is is Bender. Um, he's also he's Hop in the Dark Crystal uh, Resistance series. Um, Andy Klimzak, uh, also uh, the one of the writers, uh, was Zoidberg did quite well. I thought Marshall Porter uh, did well as Hermes. Olivia Yang did decent enough. Rich Little kind of killed it as Richard Nixon. Um, Richard Nixon's head has a little monologue in here, and uh, and I mean. He, I'm a huge Nixon fan. I've probably mentioned it on the podcast before, not a fan of him as a president, but a fan of the story and the fall and all of the ins and outs of his presidency. There was lots of it. The one that's a real big miss for me. And again, guys, I'm going to say this because it sucks to single somebody out, especially in sort of a labor of love like this. Um, when you say someone's not good for this role, it doesn't mean they're not a good actor or they're not skilled. You can still be not good for the role. Okay. And what I'm going to say is, is that Katie Lanigan is not a good Leela. Um, I think she doesn't sound like Leela. She doesn't act uh, as smoothly as the others. Uh, it's very much a, um, it feels like someone who hasn't acted a huge amount on film doing an okay job, which is commendable. Um, but Leela in the series is a very strong character who's no nonsense, but also sometimes nonsense when it benefits her. She's a realist and it's, it's nice. She doesn't have that in this. Also from a design standpoint, at first glance, um, her being a Cyclops with a big 3D eye on her face is quite impressive. And in some ways it is impressive. However, it is in zero ways emotive, which is a big problem because in the animated Futurama show, they can be very emotive with her eye because she essentially has the same eyebrow line that everyone else does. It just goes into one eye instead of over two eyes. But that doesn't happen here. We get a very thin eyebrow line that really doesn't move. Um, you just have then eyelid for expression, which is not an effective way to do it. It makes it very difficult to read. She just seems sort of pissy the entire episode. Um, it really didn't do it for me. And the voice, again, uh, you know, you can't beat uh, the original voice of Leela. I mean, all the way from, um, uh, why am I blanking on the show uh, that Married she was children? in? Huh? Married with Married Children. Katie Seagal. Hmm? Yes, that's right. Katie Seagal is amazing. Uh, and Married with Children, she was amazing um, and beautiful. And you just... You really need a standout in that position. Um, her costuming is fine. Everybody's costuming is quite good. It's it's really down to, you know, spe exact specifics. There's a couple of weird moments. Um, it's hard not to imagine with the amount of bits and pieces of new stuff put in there, like Jeff said, the commercial, um, that there wasn't some distant hope that maybe we're going to make this and maybe somebody at Fox will see it and be so, or Comedy Central Viacom will be so blown away that they'll order us, they'll bring us in to do it. Um, and that's sort of, that sort of feels like the vibe with like the half story and stuff and all these little extra things like Fry at one point, like gets a, a lay eggs in me sticker put on his back by like a tentacle reaching out of a, of a crate and like then fist bumps the tentacle or whatever, high fives it. Like, it's, it's new stuff that feels like it was trying to promise, this is what we can bring to the show. Instead of, let's make a short film that really just is so much a love letter to the show that everyone who watches the show is going to enjoy it the whole time and be 
invested and satisfied at the end. Um, Tad, I didn't really ask you, what were you expecting going in and what's your takeaway? I expected trash garbage because um, I am probably one of the biggest Futurama fans you will know. My family and I speak this show as a second language and I'm going to send this to my family and I'm going to tell them they need to watch it because um, it's funny you say that it's a love letter, Nathan. I considered this more like the revenge porn for Futurama. This is like people <laughs> who loved Futurama and were so disgusted by how terrible six and seven were written that they went, we can do better because I did so myself. I actually wrote an entire script for an episode one time because I was so pissed at how badly the show had fallen so quickly. We should do a table read. Oh, I, table read if I still have it. That's the thing. It was called um, fixmyrobot.com. Fix it's basically a parody of fixmypc.com where basically Bender just gets injected with malware. That sounds great. Uh, anyway. So the point being is that this, this to me felt like they went, we can do better. And we, they didn't necessarily felt, feel like they were going to get it picked up. They just wanted to show... Um, the writer, the, like, you know, the, the, the cast that did six and seven, it's like, this is what you weren't doing because the, the last two seasons of Futurama were garbage. I watched them because I was a fan and at the end of it, it left a bad taste in my mouth and made me wish that, that they had just kept it canceled so that I could have better memories of it. But you know what? That happens to a lot of stuff. Let's face it. It runs too long. It runs out of ideas and it peters out instead of goes out on a high note like the original uh, run did. The original run left on a high note. It was disappointing, but at least you had the great memory of going. That was solid writing all the way from start to finish. And it never really got Simpsoned because the Simpsons just keeps going and is never good anymore because let's face it, it hasn't been good for over 20 years. I will disagree with you on that. I think oh. that it has peaks and valleys. Of course it will never capture season four or five, uh, no. but I'm going to disagree with you on that front. I mean, there's even shit in season eight, nine and 10 that's good and decent still feels really? classic and then just gets bad. I just, anyway. I I'm going to, again, I will disagree. I do think that, I, here's the thing. I also will disagree that all the six and seven for Futurama were bad. I will say that the biggest problem for me with Futurama 67 was it got a little too um, almost almost nihilistic, the characters, because part yeah. of Futurama is that they really, they're really deep uh, emotional story arcs at some point, too emotional, frankly. They yeah. went a little farther than some things aren't happy. Um, Simpsons is great because things typically end fairly happy one way or the other. Even if things aren't fixed, there's some revelation that things are, are better in some way for the character. Futurama doesn't always have that. Um, it's I'm devastated forever by Fry's dog. Uh, it's just, I'm it's, forever devastated. It's unwatchable um, for some people. Yeah. Like, including me, I can't go back and watch it's that. Brutal. It's brutal. It just, it's, it, it, they did it on purpose to hurt me. Um, <laughs> and so, so anyway, I get that. I, I would say, I'm not trying to diss it. I enjoyed Fanorama, but I actually found it disappointing because the special effects were the only thing that really nailed it for me. Um, I, I do think that uh, as Fry, um, the, the lead actor did an okay job. He didn't sound like Fry, but he really tried to hit the vocal cadence. Um, and, uh, and it's Cody Frederick and Cody Frederick also plays the professor. It's interesting choice to have Professor Farnsworth be a practical effect instead of a person um because of course he's a human in the show um but i mean he looks like it just 
I don't know what would do that to a person, but hey. It was so freaky. Like yeah. the practical effects were fantastic, especially the the fact that they even got the little Zoidberg thing where his mouth did the- His mouth moves, his tentacles move. It's, it's beautiful. That was, that was my hands down the coolest little thing. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, I enjoyed this. I just, I, I feel like with all of this effort and energy, I wish that the script were stronger. Um, that isn't to say it's bad, but it reads as fan fiction for me. Um, or not even fan fiction. Like you suggested that it reads as a spec script from someone who doesn't have punch up writers. It's like, uh, uh, it's like if Jeff was handed a couple million dollars to rewrite something and then went through with it and got it produced because- I think that was a read, Jeff. I would I love to see a, a Jeff episode you. of Futurama. Um, <laughs> you're on mute, Jeff. But yeah, I, I, uh, so, so anyway, um, let's move on to recommendations. Cause I, I really think if you're a Futurama fan, I, I don't know why you're not watching this because it is on YouTube for free. Um, and the practical effects, seeing these characters brought to life with the exception of my difficulty seeing Leela on the same level as the other characters that were portrayed. I mean, it's, it's impressive. Like it does look almost like the, it's, 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 it's like, um, a cross between Amazon's iteration of the tick and the uh, and the first live action tick compared to the cartoon, like it's it's somewhere between that, a little more realistic, but not quite to full realism, um, and it's unnerving to see the characters that way. <laughs> um, but it's fun, and I do think most people in this really really tried to be. Um, like the characters from the show. Um, Vic Mignogna does, uh, I'm sorry, Vic, if I mispronounced your name, does Zap Brannigan. And the look is perfect. The costume is perfect. The cadence is perfect. For me, the voice was not perfect. It was um, very jarring. It was like, he's got it except where it needed to be because you can't do Billy West. You just yes. can't. Billy West is, of course, an iconic, amazing voice actor that's really important. Um, it, I think people might know Vic Monina from uh, the Star Trek Continues fan series um, or 2013. Uh, the, it's, it's a very interesting, interesting series. Uh, and he plays Kirk. And I think he does a pretty good job uh, in some ways for a fan film. Again, that's it's one of those standout series. I want to talk about, before we go on to, to recommendations, I guess, I want to talk about what Dan Lanigan has gone on to do um, because it's, it's about Dan Lanigan has directed several episodes of uh, Mystery Science Theater, The Return for Netflix. Um, that is, of course, the Mystery Science Theater. I don't know if you'd call it a reboot. I'm not really sure what you'd call it. I'm a huge Mystery Science Theater fan. I fully support it. I will say that I have not fully delved into the return I, i'm still living my riff tracks life um and and i i will never get tired of watching uh the sci-fi channel especially era the mike uh on camera um mystery science theater although joel's great too getting off topic and of course guys listen if you're mystery science theater and riff tracks fans too our incredible episode where we had uh mary joe peel and bridget nelson on it's it's utter fantasticness and it is on youtube as well but anyway he's he's got some great stuff um he he's working on mr science theater the return and he's got other things so i think it paid off obviously he was in the industry before this happened but i think that this really sort of cemented where he wanted to be in the industry and the genre that he wanted to be in so 
Jeff, would you recommend Futurama's uh, fan film, Fanorama? And if so, why? Um, I would, but this is kind of a weird one. It, it really is uh, just fantastically beautiful. There's just so many things to look at. It's a spectacle. Planet Express um, looks amazing. Yeah. Ship. Yeah. Like they, they do so many amazing things. Like I, I really would like to see this like group of people make some more stuff mm-hmm. just to see like what they can, they can do when they're like flexing some muscles and doing some, um, some effects. But I, Nate's right in the fact that it it ends before they finish their their the narrative that they even started in in this um, uh, short film. Um, you know, it, it, the jokes are good, but not maybe as good as they are on the show. So, it, it, you know, again, uh, I, I wouldn't watch the fifteen minutes of Hypno Toad. Watch the fifteen minutes that's actually there enjoy the spectacle of it get in get out have a good time um it's a short um, yeah i think that's fair that's going to be similar to my recommendation this is really a tech demo uh in the gaming industry uh, or in the computer industry you know what a tech demo is it's something um uh, game makers put together or, or uh hardware workers software workers put together to show off the incredible things that can be done with their product that's what this is um it really is a thing saying hey look at what we can do uh, and it's got to be brilliant for everyone who worked on its resume. Um, uh, even Katie Lanigan. I mean, it's, I don't think she's Leela, but she's not terrible. Um, she's just a different character to me. Uh, and I think in that way, it's a fantastic success. Would I recommend it to fans? Absolutely. If you're not a fan or you're not familiar with Futurama, I mean, maybe look at screenshots. I don't, if, you're, if you're into practical special effects, yes, go into it. It's, it's inspiring. Um, but if you're a fan of Futurama, absolutely give it a watch. Just watch the first 15 minutes and maybe a minute of Hypnotoad uh, to, to get the vibe and um, write your own ending. This is a fanfic situation. I mean, to me, I really do want the ending. The, the first 15 minutes is all set up. Um, and hey, Lanigan's, if there is a complete script for the full feature release it we'd love to see it absolutely um i think everyone would but if you're a fan there's no reason not to see it it's 15 minutes of your time and it's on youtube for free and it's hd quality it's really stunning it's amazing to see what these characters can look like in real life really done so check it out tad would you recommend fanorama and if so why fucking absolutely i also like you was very uh disappointed to find that i didn't know this existed until literally a week ago and (laughs) this is um this is for futurama fans for sure this is this is one of those things like if you're not a fan of the show there's no actual reason to watch this because it it makes a lot of self self self-referential stuff and actually does recycle a few things you know there's a few lines where i'm like okay they just lifted that out of an episode and they couldn't think of anything better to write but it's not the worst it's pulled off very well um and this is this is definitely um the almost the hard r version of futurama because there's alien titties and zap brannigan literally has his dick out in this it's like they really went all the way and i was very impressed it's not hard r because they're blurred but i see what you're saying yeah it's um it's more it's more of the dvd released films before comedy central picked up futurama if you remember those of course bender's big score and that is better than all of them they went a little farther 
I don't. This is better than all the. Give give me a break. This is better than six, seven, and the Futurama films. Let's face it. I'd rather watch this over and over again than watch those movies again. Well, you're allowed. It's on YouTube. For the rest of us, we'll pay for Hulu. Um, Yeah. So, uh, yeah. No, I think it's totally worth watching. Um, That brings us to our final film of today, which is actually this is a personal favorite, and we'll get into why. uh, Aside from the fact that I enjoy it, Uh, this is uh, Robot Bastard from 2002 that's robot bastard with an exclamation point and yes that is a line in the show this is so this is we have a low def version of this it is available on youtube i desperately want a high quality transfer of this of this short film it's about 15 minutes long everyone's nodding their head i think we're all in agreement on this this is another visual spectacle and it is super cool and of course it's super cool because it's directed and written and the props are made primarily by rob shrab rob shrab is not a common household name in the the comic or the film industry which is a or the tv industry which is a brutal shame because he's been here for a long time and he's incredible at what he does and he has been a personal inspiration to me especially in my comics work since uh, I was a young depressed kid living in rural Wisconsin with nothing to do and no one to talk to because he created the independent comic Scud the Disposable Assassin. Scud the Disposable Assassin has like so many of his awesome, um, uh, unique, funny, cool, edgy ideas. Um, just as an example, uh, he had the phrases in Scud, um, things like um, surreality just got funky and um uh, uh and one of his uh trade paper trade paperback collections of scud was called a solid gold bomb because scud is gold colored he loves robots violence comedy shtick um 50 style robots but off kilter just a little weird a little wild everything is smooth it's like it's like you took um a 50s like uh turnkey robot toy and put Kanye sunglasses on it like it's just cool everything is cool um and uh and I'm sorry for that Kanye reference Kanye you're not cool um but uh there are plenty of other people who are cool it's it's just it's amazing um the plot is this there is the robot who is sort of like a uh, government agent who is only released when he's needed for a mission. And he is reached out to by somebody in the government to rescue the president's daughter who has been kidnapped by Blood Mamba. Uh, so uh, Robot has to go to the space, Blood Mamba space station and um, get to the center of it, fighting through uh, hordes of uh, mummies, they call them, which are these slick, rubbery, black creatures with sharp teeth that attack and occasionally have laser guns of some or some kind of gun. Uh, and, and he gets to the center of the ship, uh, and here's a spoiler alert. It's, I don't care if you know every line of this movie and every beat, watch the movie. It's so worth it to me. Um, but the end, he gets there, he defeats Black Mamba, who turns out to be a robot himself, and then finds out that the president's daughter is actually Black Mamba. Spoiler alert, uh, Robot Bastard lives, albeit not entirely in one piece. And, uh, and it's just, what makes this so wild is... One, Rob Schraub's directing is amazing. The fact that he hasn't been given directing every day 
uh, of his life, like people pounding on his door is shocking because the light to dark, the um, glowing eyes in the darkness, it's like, it's like a Frank Miller frame in bold technicolor all the time. Um, and he's aware of movement in a scene. Uh, a lot of times when people who do sequential art, comic books, things like that, or illustration, when they're given a directing task in film or animation, it's hard for them to break free from that still static window concept where you're one step, then the next step, then the next step, you know, you see one action and then another action. He doesn't have that problem. Things happen all the time. He knows what to focus on. Um, the camera flips in really cool ways, but it's never overpowering. It's just, I absolutely love it. Um, it's a lot of fun. His robot bastard has quips and the quips are funny, but they're like intentionally schlocky they're never like brand new they're always feel like they've been used before um like i'm too old for this shit like that kind of thing but it's funny watching it out of a big cardboard but well-made orange robot with glowing eyes the guns that come out of his wrist which is the coolest stop motion effect ever um yeah so let's just i'll give it to you guys jeff what was your expectation going in and how do you feel now that you've seen robot bastard well, like everything, I have no expectations, uh, you know, and uh, I, I, you know, gone on a little bit of a roller coaster from hate to, you know, mild amusement to now absolute love. Um, I mean, right from the credits, I, I, I'm telling you, so I'm like watching the credits and then Jeff Davis's name comes up and I'm like, oh, is that the Jeff Davis? Because, you know, it's Jeff and Davis. Those are common names, like could be anybody. Um <laughs> And like, so I was just like, I was sitting there and it is, it's mm -hmm. so uh, Jeff B. Davis, who's worked with like Dan Harmon and a lot of stuff. Uh, he's on like, whose line is it anyways, is like a, the fourth chair every once in a while. Yep. I freaking love his voice. Like, I just it's, like, it's he, awesome. He has just the greatest voice. Um, and he's a really funny guy. Uh, he obviously does like a lot of improv and stuff. Um, you should check him out. You know, now he's doing uh, Harmon quest with uh, Dan Harmon. Um, on vdr i think it is um but he's absolutely fantastic um so i was like I, I i just like from that i was like i was like excited i was like oh i hope it's him like i hope it's like he's in this weird short thing um but then i was just taken by the the style and the um the kind of the um you know this robot and like like nate was saying this like stop motion of like him taking these guns and like upgrading his guns um, stop motion effect it was just like unbelievably um, like beautiful like it just um, it was smooth and like you you transition from this like you know the uh, uh, you know the big cardboard robot to what's very clearly like you know a stop motion scene but like it somehow just blends so perfectly um, and the effect is so good that um, it just kind of like enhances uh, um, the uh, the action, um, and uh, you know, like I don't know, I just I just love this film. Um, I don't even know what to say because I'm just I'm like so like enamored with 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 the the piece of art. And this is uh, how I reel you back in, Jeff, because yeah. I agree with you. This is absolutely stunning, and. This is one of those things, every time I get into a, a discussion with someone about Rob Schraub and his work, which is often, and I probably have irritated many people at CBS's across the country, is Rob Schraub is 
fucking good at what he does. He's brilliant. He's funny. And he has that, that it, that I that really makes things work. Um, for example, something else Rob Schraub did is Rob Schraub, along with Dan Harmon, because they do work together. In fact, Rob Schraub, if you've seen his name recently, it's probably as a producer on Rick and Morty. Uh, he, he, with Dan Harmon wrote, um, a really cool pilot TV show called Heat Vision and Jack. This is like famous in cult underground TV pilot world and for absolute good reason. It stars, uh, a, it's an astronaut who's got special powers and he's on the run with his talking motorcycle. Okay, it is amazing. What it makes it more amazing, it was directed by Ben Stiller, starring Jack Black and Owen Wilson. This is like the most amazing, before they made it huge. I mean, Ben Stiller was pretty big at the time, but it's, it's one of those things where you see that and you're like, what? How did, and it's good, it's really good. Um, and it's like, how did this not happen? Uh, Rob Schraub wrote, um, the 2006 animated film Monster House with Dan Harmon, a fucking great movie. Um, he did, uh, he was head writer for the Sarah Silverman show. Uh, I don't know why I pronounced that so weird, but I'm a big Sarah Silverman fan. So uh, it's, it's, it's the Sarah Silverman program is just a fantastic show. Um, I also, you know, it, it should come as no surprise that I love Rob Schraub because he also uh, directed several episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000 Return and worked as a contributing writer uh, on the Santa Claus Conquers the Martians episode of the original run of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Um, why do these things all tie together? Uh, Wisconsin. When I was in Wisconsin is when Rob Schraub was in Wisconsin. Uh, I didn't even know that at the time until later. I think he might have even been in the improv group with a lot of comedians in the area of the Dead Alewives. Um, but who else was in Wisconsin at the time? Mm, Mystery Science Theater. Uh, that's why Joel Hodgson, creator of Mystery Science Theater, and of course, Joel from the majority of Mystery Science Theater seasons, uh, was a contributing consultant on the robot designs for Robot Bastard. Uh, it's also why Dan Harmon is there, and Dan Harmon was script supervisor for Robot Bastard. These things all tie together and for good reason. People who are good at what they do and have similar aesthetics tend to clump together, hence the people on this podcast. Um, and it's just, it's amazing when they get together. And it's really cool to see something like this where so many incredibly talented people are involved. Uh, and also it's sort of like you discover it because Robot Bastard is not super well known. Um, it came out kind of before the popularity of YouTube. It was first of I first saw it on Rob Schraub's website, which I don't think is even there anymore. Um, and unfortunately, it seems like this might actually be the same quality transfer. That, um, and this also is available on, on YouTube. But I want this. Um, Rob Schraub also did a, a little show called Twigger's Holiday, which I have a DVD of somewhere. It was never officially released to my knowledge. It needs to be released. Scud the Disposable Assassin, thank God, did get a hardcover, beautiful, complete edition, uh, which I urge everyone to go get. It's it's wild. It's real wild. Um, yeah. So, Jeff, I, I covered what you thought. Tad, what did you expect going into Robot Bastard? And uh, what's your takeaway? You know, uh, I went by the title on this for once, and I actually kind of sort of got exactly what I expected. I, I, I guess I expected, the only thing that I guess um, didn't happen was 
with a title like Robot Bastard, I expected the main character to be a bastard, but in reality, he's cool as shit. And it reminded me, there are, there are a couple things. For one, the aesthetics of 2002, this actually feels more like an early 90s thing. Like mm-hmm. it feels like it Very much. was an, like almost like an MTV short that was lost that I never knew about. But um, the logo that's on the poster that we have right behind us so much reminds me of uh, like the aesthetics of Batman, the animated series and those logos, mm-hmm. because it, it, it felt like that similar era, like 1994, 1995. And it had that, that writing feel of like Paul Denis and all that. So, but it also reminded me of, and I'm glad you, you confirmed it because I distinctly remember when we started uh, being friends back in around this period of time, like 98, 99, we, uh, you, you had introduced me to Scud the Disposable Assassin. And uh, I, I, you had a copy back then, right? I did. I had, I had everything that it, that it hadn't been finished at that time, I don't think. He, he took a giant hiatus in the middle, but yeah. Okay, because I, I think you had me read some of it. And I distinctly remember, uh, funny enough, the antagonist at the time was named Jeff. Yes, he was. She was, actually. Yeah, she, it was a she babies. with yeah. fucking, what was it? Um, she has mouths on her knees, mousetraps for her hands, uh, tentacles, it's, and, and has a squid strapped to her chest that's part of her. It's wild. I'm telling you guys, like, pick up a cop, go find Scud the Disposable Assassin. There's a couple of old trade paperbacks. There's, of course, out of print um, single issues. And then there's the complete edition. I think there's also a soft cover uh, complete edition that's out there. It's, it's absolutely worth it. It is everything you could possibly want. Um, including questionable sexuality. Uh, just everything is brilliant in this. Um, I also, so just quick while we're talking about the cast, because it really is um, uh, just voiceovers, tons of extras playing the mummies. Um, and and as as Tad said, Jeff uh, Brian Davis uh, as as the villain. And then Robia Scott is Catherine, who's the, um, uh, the president's daughter, aka Black Mamba. And... She is usually credited in, in her works as uh, Robia La Morte. Um, she has an interesting history. She's a dancer and she danced for Prince uh, on, on, on a Diamond and Pearls tour, is on a cover of that uh, and is also um, been in music videos. She's also, she's got a very tiny part in this original Spawn movie. Uh, she's the reporter on the scene. And I think she's a reporter on the scene, but uh, she's one of the reporters. Uh, if, if that's not the case, it's, been too long i'll have to rewatch, um and just the the talent in this little thing is just really great and we actually have very if anybody has seen which people have the sarah silverman program the episode where she takes cough syrup and goes on a little crazy dream trip before waking up with her car parked in a playground sandbox um uh relatable uh that dream sequence is heavily done by Rob Schraub. And it was clear. I didn't, I only knew Rob Schraub worked on that show because I love Sarah Silverman. I was watching the show. I wasn't sticking around for the credits, but I saw that segment and was like, holy shit, Rob Schraub did that. There's nobody else that did that uh, or that would do it that way. And sure enough, he did. And he's great. And um, I think Sarah Silverman said that she, she wrote the, I believe the introduction to scud the disposable assassins complete collection and i think she said i only knew him as the guy who farted in the writer's room all the time and uh (laughs) i don't know if that's true or not but um i it it would be a pleasure to be in that room as weird as that sounds because rob schrab is is 
a legend, an un unsung legend. Uh, yeah, so let's move on to recommendations. I think this is going to be an easy one. Tad, would you recommend Robot Bastard? And if so, to who? Absolutely. I think this is just a mandatory watch for people who are millennials who grew up with uh, with that that uh, that kind of 90 like the early 90s, but the 2000s aesthetic. It's kind of like almost like watching a tool video without just the weirder shit, because there's some weird shit in here. Like the the, the monsters are weird, but um, for the most part, it, it's oh, you know what? You know what? It really does remind me of the artwork from one of my favorite underground band screaming mechanical brain they you can find their stuff still out there i'm not really sure if they still are making music because i discovered them around 2004 back when basically we were trolling around the punk scene in new hampshire back when new hampshire had a punk scene and i stumbled upon them on myspace and fucking loved them it was weird techno industrial hard rock and their the art style in their album covers very much reminds me of this movie. It's that it evokes that sort of early two thousands mentality that was kind of post nineties, but still the two thousand trying to kind of get its own identity together. It just screams it to me. No pun intended. Yeah, I want to say too. He's not credited on um, IMDb, but I believe that in addition to uh, speaking of 90s things, in addition to Dan Harmon being in there, and of course, Rob Schraub himself being in uh, one of the, the mummies in um, the, those creatures in Robot Bastard, Doug Tenepple is one of them as well. Uh, who, who's Doug Tenepple? Hmm. Uh, how about the creator and artist for Earthworm Jim? The amazing uh, video games and cartoon series that it spawned. And I believe comics are actually out now or recently. Uh, as well but and Doug Tenapple also did um, uh, an issue of I think it was Scud Tales from the Vending Machine a spin-off series that was really great um, a few mini-sodes ago we also did a zine uh, review episode where I talked about um, Jim Mahfood's artwork and his zines and his really cool stuff uh, a great guy really really fun to talk to and he also did an issue of uh, Scud Tales from the Vending Machine so Things connect together, guys. That's what I'm trying to say here. So yeah, we'll come to me. Of course, I would recommend Robot Bastard. As Tad said, it feels early 90s in, in the coolest parts of early 90s, but also the 2000s. It is that weird 90s nostalgia that we got. And I think if you liked Nickelodeon at its most bizarre and inappropriate, like the early, like 93 with Rocco's Modern Life, and also with the 2000s with uh, Invader Zim. If you like that you know, Jonah Vizquez, if you like that, you will love Robot Bastard and get into Robot Bastard and then get into everything else Rob Schraub has done. You're already watching Rick and Morty. I know you are. We all are. Um, and and probably Harmon Quest to watch this and go read Rob Schraub's comics. Go watch his other shows. Watch the Sarah Silverman show. Uh, you may have no interest, but you watch it. You're going to be entertained and you're going to have a new interest. So do it. That is it for this episode of Cult and Classic Podcast. Guys, thank you so much. I want to say uh, subscribe, write reviews. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you missed it, bro. Not, did I not ask Jeff? I got things to say here. <laughs> I, I, got, I got oh, words. You know, here's the thing. Sometimes I just stop because I know what you're going to say. And you don't know what I'm going to say. 
you're gonna say nate thank you so much for having me watch robot bastard and mcmurderer today i love you no. i will never stop loving you no no those things are true i do love jeff. you and i will never stop loving jeff. you jeff that's not what i was gonna say okay robot robot bastard <laughs> amazing you can't really say much about it because it's just like an aesthetic dream um i mean maybe people with better poetic um verbiage can can get the job done i can't uh go watch it it's beautiful it's a lot of fun but it does remind me of something uh so uh because i love jeff b davis i love dan Harmon. uh the thing that actually i got to know them first on was this weird thing from a long time ago called the house of cosby's um it is uh pretty damn funny uh, it's like rick and morty before like you know 10 years before um rick and morty existed um and uh, if you enjoy this sort of thing uh cosby sent or his lawyers sent you know like cease and desist letters letters because uh he was uh portrayed a, in a offensive or degrading manner uh without his consent so if you enjoy somebody you know doing something to cosby without his consent uh, you know, <laughs> take, uh, take the time and go and watch the house of Cosby's. You will be entertained. It's funny. Uh, Jeffy Davis is uh, one of the voices. There's tons of other people who do voices and stuff in that, uh, check it out. All right. The house of Cosby. I will absolutely check that out. And of course, Dan Harmon was also a character in uh, Twigger's holiday, that series I mentioned from Rob Schrab. And I think too, is it, is it channel 101? I believe uh, you can find some of their early stuff on as well. And that's a lot of fun and really, really strange. I think um, uh, Swords Kill Asians was another short series on that. Just, it's wild. Go watch it. Go find these weird things, guys. Come on. Don't forget shorts are a massively entertaining, amazing part of cinema history and especially cult cinema. And so many of these things are up for free online, but also get lost to time because people don't, think about them as as worth their time and i think this selection has shown that's absolutely not the case uh you need to go watch them you need to check them out and you need to make your own shorts guys i'm i'm going full steam on this in 2021 make your own stuff if you make short films or you want to make short films do it it doesn't matter how many people you have if you have a piece of paper and a pen you could have a dozen people just draw a face on it i don't know and then give it to us but seriously guys and send them to us we'll talk about them i mean uh you know you may not like what we have to say but that's okay uh you're, you're clearly open to criticism so give it a go for I real this time <laughs> well for real this time thank you guys for listening to cult and classic podcast this has been a very fun short extravaganza episode and to play us out as always uh is the chud with all about evil Please follow us at Instagram or on Instagram at Colton Classic Podcast and check out our website, coltonclassicpodcast.com. You can visit our shop, buy zines that support us. You can watch videos of us on YouTube and please write reviews on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Write reviews. It helps us. If you write a review, send us your screen name either over Instagram or to our email at coltonclassicpodcast.gmail.com. With your screen name and your address, I'll mail you stickers and pins and, and whatever, because uh, we love you that much. Thank you guys so much. Have a great night. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Cult and Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me. What's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, 
please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.